You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. In this world of turmoil, you're struggling to find energetic balance, and you panic because your spirituality is not where you desire it to be. Yet creating a powerful foundation of empowerment is what you know you can achieve. Hi, I am Martin Neil Campbell, author of the book Receiving the Gift We Give, which is available on Amazon eBooks and my website, receivingthegiftwegive.com. I invite you to uncover your power and greatly expand your energies by embracing your divine self. Sovereign Self is about individual empowerment and freedom. In exploring this sovereign self, our discussions will encompass self-love, oneness, and diverse spiritual understandings as life is a journey of expansion which never ends. Join author Martin Neil Campbell, trainer and business facilitator Karen Murphy, and spiritual archaeologist Ron Mayer as their discussions help lead their listeners into an ever-expanding journey of peace, love, joy, and freedom to become who you desire and be your sovereign self. Welcome to Sovereign Self. I am your host, Martin Neil Campbell, and your two fabulously divine and forever inspirational co-hosts are Ron Mayer and Karen Murphy. Say hello, guys. Hello, everybody. Good day, folks. Yes, indeed. Good day. And on this program, as we said before, did I say it at the end of the last program? Anyway, if I did or didn't, it's engaged detachment. Now, it's an interesting topic on many fronts. One definition I found about engaged detachment, it's not in the dictionary, but just what someone was writing about it, and it was uh, Deepak Chopra, I think, sort of said that engaged detachment means that whenever you encounter a problem, you remain detached and don't feel compelled or panicked into forcing solutions on problems that you know will not work. But you don't know what else to do, so you engage yourself and move into waiting for universal solutions. And when those opportunities surface, you welcome them and use them to meet your intended goals. So in that sense, engaged attachments allows you to grasp those opportunities that feel right to you for every problem you encounter. Quite often on the program, we've sort of talked about this in a sideways manner as being an observer. It sort of goes to the same thing. The one thing you have to remember is engaged attachment does not mean you detach yourself from a problem. Putting one's head in the sand, as I always say, will solve nothing. Yet, far too often, this is how many people from reading online view engaged detachment, or detachment, I should say. They talk about detachment rather than engaged detachment. And they believe it's easier to ignore a problem with an out-of-sight, out-of-mind mentality. Personally, I believe that many of our world's problems keep occurring because we emotionally detach from them in that manner. And if we're not willing to face those problems, they will never be resolved. And I know I always use bigger problems in the world, but I'll use it again. It's child labor. And there's 160 million children used in factories around the world in order to provide cheap labor for making goods we buy. And we generally allow this to continue because we want everything to cost as little as possible. And our corporations, of course, in doing this, make more money. So money becomes the all-pervasive goal here. And somehow we've moved into a mindset of I don't care as long as it does not cost me any more of my hard-earned money. We don't want to face the emotions that would arise because in the end people having deluded themselves into believing they're better off not acknowledging, slowly killing and forcing children 
into horrible life conditions. It's just can be put over there for now. The one thing about that is we can ignore these things and not look at them and not have any feelings about them and not use our emotional body to go there. But that's just hiding from a problem that will just continue and get worse until we do face it. But on the other hand, detachment does have its place, but not in the emotional sense. You can't detach from who you are and not expect repercussions. Engaged attachment, it's a tool we can use to clear our minds and allow our understanding to come forward. I look on it like meditation. When you move back into yourself in order to recognize and know you, and then find your next best step forward. But the key word here is to engage, not detach. And it's important to engage and not be fooled by all the illusions we've been taught. A simple example is sometimes we panic when we have a long list of things we need to do in a day. When we panic, we tend to freeze and don't even know where to begin. I mean, a lot of people go into that when they look at a big list of things to do. Mm -hmm. And time is wasted by moving into panic and not doing anything. What I like to look on engaged detachment like is it allows you to stand back, look at the list, and move to start the first item you desire most. What feels right to you? And as I said in the opening paragraph, it allows you, allows you to focus on those opportunities that feel right and you do those first. The one thing I will add is that if you truly have a problem where you do not know what to do, engaged detachment can be useful as it is asking and allowing the universe to present solutions to you and move with them. But as I said, currently most, if not all of us, can be faced with situations that are new to us and we do not know what to do next. An engaged attachment is moving back into your center as best you can and opening to solutions and opportunities. And from the emotional perspective, there's no advantage to moving into panic or false expectations, appearing real fear or guilt because you do not know the answer. But this is how we've been trained to behave. Engaged attachment does allow you to step back from that, calm down, look at things and say, okay, what do I do next? Or what do I have to look at? Because when you move into fear and guilt, it won't get you anywhere and they will get usually worse and won't go away. Like the child labor situation, nothing can ever be solved by burying it away. Solutions are only created by us in us, and we have to face our problems in order to solve them. Left alone, they just fester, and like an untreated infection, they grow and can destroy us individually and as a whole, and we're seeing that a lot. So that is the introduction. Before I go into the main program, however, I do have a request of our listeners, if you would, and this, of course, is totally up to you. Karen has a friend and her name is Nancy, and unfortunately, she's been moved into the hospital, and it is serious. So we are asking for you, at this time, to put out a prayer for Nancy. Wish her well, send her loving energy, send her healing energy, and ask that her higher self use it to its best outcome. And if you would all do that, it's amazing what one, two, three, four, five thousand 5,000 people doing that can create in energy in helping someone. That is my request for this program, uh, since that just came up. And is that all right, Karen? Thank you, Martin. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. Excellent. So thank you, everyone. And with that, I'll throw out the whole thought of engaged attachment and ask, who wants to go first? Karen? 
All right, let me go. First of all, I want to extend my thanks as well to the listeners for for your healing prayers. That's that's awesome for those of you that choose to do so. And even for those that choose not to, I honor that as well. When I think about engaged attachment, I loved your introduction, Martin. It uh, really kind of puts things in perspective for me. And I, too, am a, a follower of uh, Deepak Chopra. And I don't know, I think I've mentioned this before on the show, but it really resonated with me in your introduction. And that was a couple of years ago, I started practicing. I did it for 52 weeks. Uh, and I, admittedly, I've been remiss of late, although it does stay in my somewhat subconscious mind. But that is the uh, seven spiritual laws of success with Deepak. Friday is the, the law of detachment, and you go through all of his laws of spirituality and kind of reflect, as you said, Martin, and, and observe. And, and definitely this one was a very interesting one because it, it falls nearing the end of the week. So you can just imagine uh, when you were talking about people allowing fear to come into their lives and having a problem and saying, don't panic, don't feel overwhelmed. So I think it's rather appropriate that this falls on Friday, the, the practice itself, because you've probably taken in a lot from Sunday till that point and how do you detach from those things and I completely agree that practicality of it for, for me is to to first kind of acknowledge acknowledge what I'm feeling what that emotion is what that situation might be and then just listen listen to what's going on in my body in my soul and not so much maybe in my mind, but not completely detaching from it, but being engaged with what's going on. And then moving into empathy so that I can then move forward and take action and respond. So I, I find this topic very, very interesting when we think about moving to that observer type mode that we've often talked about. And I couldn't agree more, gentlemen, that when I think of engaged detachment, I don't think of them as separate words. I think of engaging in becoming the observer, engaging in watching what's going on and acknowledging it, listening to it and being part of it so that you can move through it as opposed to burying it or ignoring it. And often I think when we think of the term detachment, we think of separation. When I think of engaged detachment, I think of actually more coming from a perspective of unity about watching what's going on and hearing and really taking in what's going on so that you can, in fact, move forward. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And, of course, I'm going to throw a whole monkey wrench into the whole thing here by expressing my concern about the term engaged detachment and detachment in general. It's interesting because when I've spoken to people about that spiritual concept called engaged detachment or detachment, a lot of times I'm left with the feeling that they're not entirely sure what it is they're detaching from. Okay. Um, <laughs> and a lot of times I will say, is it the feeling that you're trying to detach from? And many times they will come back and they say, you know, you're right. It is, there's a feeling there that I'm trying to detach from. And subsequently, it's, it was like, well, you could either feel good about something or you could feel not so good about something. When you're feeling good about something, engaged detachment doesn't make any sense. So that when you're not feeling good about something, this is when engaged detachment seems to pop up, especially with people who are spirit polarized. So I would usually try to probe a little deeper. What, it is, what is it that you're trying to detach from? And nine times out of 10, it is their own emotional response that is being triggered about what they're observing 
that they themselves do not want to get dragged into the drama by paying attention to their emotional bodies. And so they will say, well, it won't do me any good if I let myself get pulled in emotionally because my emotional body right now, it just wants to scream nonsensical stuff. It doesn't make any sense. And so clearly listening to that is not obviously going to lead to any kind of natural resolution. And so I find they have a tendency to want to detach from that in order to become the observer and in order to understand where in the spirit polarity things may need to be changed or evolved. And that part I do agree with. Whenever I hear people feel uh, say de that they want to detach from something, there's a part of me that feels that if I was to do the same thing, that somehow I'm detaching from some part of myself that is screaming for attention. Yeah, detaching from reality. Yes. Detaching yes. from what's actually going on, and that is exactly what shouldn't be. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I think the problem here is that most of the spiritual teachings that we have today do not truly understand the divine will and how the emotional body gets to express and heal itself. Mm -hmm. A lot of times whenever there's a debate going on and emotionalism is brought into the debate, spirit polarized people have a tendency to not want to allow the natural process that the emotional body needs to engage in in order to clear itself of the judgment patterns that are locked and are frozen within the emotional body. And I think this is the drastic mistake that spirit polarized people have a tendency to make in that they don't recognize how it is that the divine will, which is our emotional bodies expressing themselves, how they actually go about clearing themselves. There's a whole process here of clearing the emotions that on the spirit side they can see the problem and they can think their way around it, but somehow that does not seem to resolve the emotional problem, the emotional aspects of the situation. The emotions do not respond to simply observing and thought. Mm -hmm. They need something else in order to get them to change the frequencies that's lodged and that's magnetically stuck in the emotional body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I find that interesting, actually, Ron, because when I think of engaged detachment, mm -hmm. I think oftentimes as humans, we tend to go to the negative. We tend to think, oh, okay, just a second, I'm going to practice engaged detachment because I don't want that emotional trigger that's going to allow me to yes. explode. Yes. But I actually look at it in terms, and I, I learned this through, through much of the, the Deepak Chopra teachings, but when we talk about engaged detachment, it was from all. It wasn't just the negative. So if, if I think in terms of from the positive, it was not letting the power outside you guide you. I won't go into the examples that he gave, but to give you a sense of it, it would be more around whether something is happening positively or negatively, mm -hmm. we can get sucked into it. If it's on the positive side, it might be feeling somewhat of a utopia. If it's on the negative side, for me, it might feel like fear or fight or flight, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So in both instances, though, I find benefit in moving to engaged detachment so that I can move beyond the emotion and figure out what's really going on. So if I think about it in terms of a, of a positive, when I'm feeling really elated or something really great is going on, rather than thinking, oh, this is really great because... I'm doing this or so-and-so is doing this or we're enjoying that. All of those things that are outside of me, 
what I do is I try to engage in the detachment of observing what is it emotionally in me that is feeling triggered to that joy and why that euphoria and why yeah so i kind of see it on both sides of the spectrum but not Mm -hmm. not simply in a negative or ignoring my emotions but really sort of tapping into it primarily and especially the positive ones because you want to be able to create those you want to be able to tap into those in, in your emotional self right but i always look at the negative emotions as denying ultimately more positive emotions that would increase my sense of joy. So, as I've said earlier, this is where I don't believe the spirit polarity truly understands the process of how the emotional side of yourself gets to clear all of these negative emotions. Those negative emotions, as as I've said before, are there to tell you when you're holding a judgment in your will polarity that is not moving. And no matter how many meditations or thought gymnastics that you try to do in order to get the emotions to move will affect it. It's not the right tool in mm. within which to heal the emotional aspects and what I don't think the spirit polarity understands completely yet. Yeah, but I think one of the things, and correct me if I'm wrong, Karen, one of the examples I have is multiple attachments and whether it's how people behave that triggers us or lack of money or ego or materiality or whatever we've been brainwashed into is important that if we don't get we go into fits when you have a negative reaction like not have enough money or you know something happens from a material or personal point of view they're triggers that should be telling you to look at them and seeing what their cause is if you take materiality or money as an example so many people are caught up in money 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 and it's the only thing that matters Mm-hmm. that there's the type of things for a lot of people we have to sit back and look at and saying, okay, where did that come from? Why am I so emotionally triggered by money, positive and negative? And how do I move that into balance in the heart? You actually have to begin looking at, and anything that triggers you is something you have to look at. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's the key point, any trigger. I, I agree completely, Martin. And I, I'm no expert for sure. But I guess my thought process is, even if I'm feeling that feeling of joy, mm-hmm. or what I believe to be joy, or exuberance, or thrill, or excitement, or happiness, any of those positive words, I think it's important for me to actually employ the concept of engaged attachment to get underneath the why. So if I'm feeling that joy, and it's not coming from within, I darn well want to recognize that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm going to try to create that joy again from outside of me so i think it's important to look at the why internally yeah internally Mm -hmm. regardless of whether it's it appears to be positive and or negative so i'm thinking in most for for myself when i'm feeling something that very much is an emotion what triggers it whether it appears positive or negative i want to actually understand that better so Mm -hmm. that i can embrace it and or work through and release it whichever the case may be, but not to let something outside of me, situations, whether it be ego, money, materialistic things, whatever those happen to be, to be, in my mind, the source of the joy or of the not so joyous. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not keeping control within me. You're right on the mark, and I understand exactly what what it is that you're saying. And to elaborate more on my position here, what I think, Karen, what you're attempting to do here is bravo, because we still yet do not fully understand 
why it is that we have the negative emotions that we have. The one thing that I'm beginning to understand here is that those negative emotions have been placed there by spirit polarity and its lack of understanding what I would call lost light. We, we know that there is something called lost will with regards to emotion. With spirituality, we have what I call is lost light. Over the last 50 to 60 years, we have had a humongous amount of new spiritual teachings coming at us that puts all of the old spiritual teachings to shame. And the reason why this has had to have happened first before we can even look at the emotional aspect of it is because what you're saying about being detached in order to understand, and what I, I agree with, you're detaching from the emotion at this, at this moment in order to understand what changes that you have to do in your spiritual thinking in order to be able to support the will the next time it gets triggered so that you have full acceptance for it, then you allow the will to be able to vibrate what it needs to do. And then once it begins to vibrate the frozen judgment behind it, your new understanding that you procured through detaching originally and then beginning to see, oh yeah, maybe I could make a change here in the way I'm spiritually thinking that this thought spiritually is wrong and needs to be adjusted. The next time that the emotion comes up and it gets triggered and you allow the release through acceptance of what the emotions have to offer, you can then change the judgment in behind with that new spiritual idea that you have had when you use detachment in order to begin to understand what changes in the light that you needed to do. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like detachment is like the first step in the process of healing, but that's not the only step. Once you've changed your ideas about what spirit is on the spirit polarity side, that is only simply preparing you for changing, being able to assist the emotional body in changing and releasing its frozen judgments because you've now got new spiritual understandings, which will then be able to assist the emotional aspects of yourself in clearing. If that makes any sense? It does. There's an interesting twist to detachment, though, and, and attachment. One of them, that thing that I read, and I kind of like it, but it's a different way of looking at it, is controlling others as attachment, leading others as detachment. Because when you want to control others, you're attached to them. They force people. They mm-hmm. want them to do everything they say, where detachment works with them and lets you, you become a true leader. And, exactly. and do what they need to do. There's variations on it. That's an outside application, though. It's not an inside application in many senses, but it is a total inside application in the other sense. It's true, though. When you look at anything that causes an, a negative emotion, mm-hmm. and, and I'll keep saying it, that's a trigger that you need to step back. If you feel comfortable, even if you don't, just step back and ask for, you know, what's going on here? try and look at what's going on and try and figure out what is triggering you and where it came from. Because the thing there is any of those triggers are in many ways controlling you. Mm-hmm. What you have to do is move into self-sovereignty and control. And unless you begin looking at them, they're controlling you. You're not controlling them in that sense. 
But once you understand what they are and look at them and see where they're coming from, you can go, oh, that's where it came from. Now I understand. And it no longer needs to trigger you because you've released it and brought it into the light. Yeah, but that's the key point. You just said it. You've released it. Yeah. This is why I'm saying spirit polarity has no yet complete understanding of what happens when when somebody gets triggered and all they want to do is scream, rant, and rave, right? right? And when they're in the experience of that emotion, all they're seeing is they've been victimized and it's absolutely real and they want to get, you know, they want to blame. They want mm. to they want to punish. Right. Now, the spirit side of us will say, oh, my God, that's not very loving. That's not very Christian. That's not very whatever. This is one of the things that is misunderstood in that they don't understand that you have to have complete acceptance for the expression of what is happening because this is how the will heals itself. If you've ever noticed, if you don't allow the expression, the frustrations, the anger, the resentment, the rage, letting it out, hmm. there is absolutely no way you can understand or actually see the judgment that's behind it because you, your receptive centers, your chakras are completely full and you're not allowing the release of the emotions in order to actually even be cognizant or conscious of the judgment behind it. Right. It's only once you express it that you can, you can then become conscious of the judgment. Right. As we've said before, some people express by pulling out a rifle, which always oh, is the best idea. There is a limit to the expression that if you want to keep living in this world, you, you <laughs> don't go that far. <laughs> but this is only an example of just how, how bad they've held it on yeah. with not, a, not understanding how the emotional body actually heals itself. Yeah. They've gotten to that point, And again, we've also said before that you also have to have the intent to heal. If you yourself as being causal in the creation of what is what is coming at you, mm -hmm. you will avoid taking responsibility because you don't think it's yours in the first place. Your judgment says, oh, I've been victimized and it's real. Yes, exactly. You don't see yourself as being causal yet. There's the interesting thing you've just said, a mouthful in four minutes, <laughs> that really it's full circle. It's, it's the whole thing of blaming other people you go wild, you blame other people, you say it's from they caused it, they caused it, they caused it, but you're the one causing it. You don't want to look at how you're causing it. Exactly. You don't pay attention to it. You don't become conscious of it. You don't realize your judgments. You don't try and accept it. All of these things, full circle on many things we talk about all the way around, you're leaving so many things out of being a balanced person that no wonder you become totally imbalanced. <laughs> well, and when we when we think about the emotions of love, right? We've talked about how they're all intertwined. So I would say absolutely, I, I completely concur with what both of you are saying from that perspective. But I also believe that there's the other side of the coin, or perhaps a, a different side of the coin, that says I'm feeling this emotion of happiness. Mm -hmm. hmm. I I'm happy because this person did something for me. Oh, I need this person in my life. Oh, now you're throwing it completely outward as opposed to going to that whole causal piece and looking from within. So I think it goes on both sides of the spectrum. So it's almost like when I look at the positive or the other side of the coin and say, well, this brings me joy. I have to, for me, it's, it's just me personally. I have to go through this process of engaged attachment and what is bringing the joy. And if I'm landing on somebody else's bringing me the joy, I need to keep exploring well, you're looking at it and exploring what, where the emotion's coming from and what's causing it. I agree. And I think you've brought it up a lot of times before, Ron, is Neil Donald Walsh's 10 illusions. 
Right. We're caught and trained in this world to say that there's a lack and there's a need and there's this and that and everything else on so many things that once we begin believing this stuff, then it becomes sort of like that dog-eat-dog world and you emotionally get imbalanced and keep getting triggered by external things. As you said, they're a victim. Someone else is taking it and I should have it and this and that, or I want that too, so I'll take it from them. Or someone else is giving it and I can't get it on my own. Yeah. Again, it's full circle into so many layers. And to, and to add further understanding to Karen, when you're seeing joy that's coming at you, I can understand where you're wanting, and I'm going to use that term, detach from the joy momentarily as a means of saying, well, if this is bringing me joy, then what else can I do along the same vein that will bring me even joy in other areas? So I'm understanding that you're wanting to learn from the joy that's coming in, and perhaps detachment, it has to be further explained just what that is. When joy comes at you and you're detaching, it's not that you're disallowing or rejecting the emotion right it's saying i want to know more about it so you're still allowing it so a detachment and allowing is different than detachment and rejecting yes which is why we're talking about engaged detachment i agree completely and they're two weird words in that way i don't know whoever thought them up but you're right ron it's not it's not detaching from the joy it's being actually it should it really is it's in my mind it's just saying you're becoming conscious of it you begin examining it and you make it more mind, conscious in my mind the will is properly functioning at this point if it's bringing you joy that's yes. just the natural function yeah. of the will mm-hmm. it's when it doesn't bring you joy that the will has been compromised and we need to heal that yeah joy is the great signpost if you're not feeling joy then you need to look at what is causing you lack of joy and begin examining it Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you feel in anything during the day, no joy, look at why. Mm-hmm. If you feel joy, look at it, yes, and determine more and go with it. But if you're feeling no joy, that's a signpost saying, you should be. What are you doing wrong here? What are you looking at? What are you not looking at? I shouldn't say wrong. Yes. What are you not looking at? What are you not being conscious of? Usually it's simply fear. A lot of times, yeah. as we said, people who have not made that awakening where they can rec- they recognize themselves as being causal here. The, the, the real reason why they will never allow themselves to look at that is the fear of what it might mean. If yeah. we're indeed responsible, oh my God, what does that mean? Just thinking the fleeting conscious awareness of any of the probabilities is so frightening to them that they mm-hmm. simply would not allow themselves to go there. Yeah, and that's like why I use the child labor example. I know it's a big one. But so many people turn a blind eye to it because they don't want to face what they're causing and they could stop by standing up. Exactly. And you know what I find interesting is, the, as I've said before, the more you refuse to look at the judgments that you're holding in your emotional body, the, the more convoluted and complex the judgments become. Yeah. To the point where if you don't look at a problem, it's going to come at you and it's going to be in a completely different form. Mm-hmm. Right now, what we're experiencing now with regards to the abuse of children is not child slavery so much as it is a se- the sexual uh, acts that, that are being done to our children. So yeah. it's almost as if it's 
child slavery was acceptable to a certain degree, but now that it is, has evolved into the abuse, the sexual abuse of our children, oh, the, the rage that is being triggered around that is phenomenal compared to the rage that was triggered around the, 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 the child labor. The two, it was almost one had to lead to the other for us to be able to truly take a, a, a better look at this problem. Had to go down that rabbit hole further. Yes. One, of, one of the things there is, and I'll bring up some stats on that, there are over 2 million children a year sold into sexual slavery. Here's the interesting thing. Everyone looks at that and they say they're disgusted. And yet, 35%, if not more, of our children in the West, all classes, all rich to poor, uh, Europe, US, Canada, Western world, 35% are sexually abused by the time they're 16, yes. male and female. And yet, as far as I can see, we virtually turn a total blind eye to that, except for an odd case here and there. Mm -hmm. We look at the child slavery and think that's horrible, which it is. Mm -hmm. But then we ignore 35% of our own children are being sexually abused around the home uh, or in school or wherever. And we turn a blind eye to it, literally, because we, we can't have a case a week if it's 35%. <laughs> that's just ridiculous. We're, we're only, and this is, in, this is heartening to me, is we're, we're now beginning to seriously look at these issues. Mm -hmm. when, when the whole sexual child perversion thing awoke, for me, where, where I found it was in the church. Yeah. With, and then it was so shocking at that time. I think most people actually went into shock and rather than had the courage to look at their fears, they just couldn't couldn't face it, which is how it ended up getting buried so easily for so many years by the church itself. Yeah. And that's only a fragment of the total. Exactly. We're beginning to see all over the world child these these rings that are into child molestation gradually coming to light and being arrested. So this is a heartening example of how the will is actually, we are actually healing the will. We might not all completely understand how it's working just yet. Just maybe a few of a, a few a handful of people might know, but we are making some progress. Yes, we start with the serious, more numerous organized cases of abuse like that. And then hopefully we'll move down the ladder and get to a point where we're teaching people to speak up and stop the molestation at home or at school. Because it occurs everywhere. Yeah, but even today, I'm still seeing people wanting to detach from it when the term Pizzagate has come up. A lot of times, people will fall back on this new blossoming fake news media thing yeah. that's been triggered just recently. And so they're dumping all of that into the fake news in order to continue to avoid looking at it. Oh, yeah. That's only one example. There are quite a few that we ignore things and just turn a blind eye. Because it's too painful. And yes. don't want to experience the pain, but and this is this is the hard part: is if we're going to heal the will, there is no two ways about it. There have been a lot of spiritual teachings that have says, "Oh, you don't have to feel the pain in order to evolve from it," and I've serious reservations about that approach, in that it does not allow the emotional body to heal, and rather, what happens is that you, unfortunately, here as I said before, you detach with the aim of rejecting those emotions because they're unpleasant and, they, and you don't want to deal with them. I don't have serious reserves about it. it it's not going to work for you. <laughs> it, 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 it will not work. But it, as I've said in one of my other articles, the healing of the will is going to be the most difficult thing 
that humanity has ever done, and yet it will be the most necessary thing if true healing and our salvation and continuation of the human species is to be seen. It's, it's interesting. The books you've been reading are fairly old. Yes. I read a short book. I can't even remember the title of it now recently that talked about the same thing, and it, it was 1921 it was written. Yeah. So people in the 20s and 40s began having a notion of this and then somehow it all got sort of shut down for a while yes but there was a lot out in that period that 20 years on it and then it, it got shut down now i think it was purposely shut down but that's just a conspiracy theory on my part uh, <laughs> but no it's it's very interesting and the books now that i'm reading are fairly old they also began in the 1970s late 70s or oh, okay. 80s. <laughs> and it was interesting then when I began to read this series of books, first one being The Right Use of Will, Healing and Evolving the Emotional Body, there were there's eight in the series, and, and I actually began to – I got excited because a lot of it was actually speaking to something that I was feeling but did not have the words to actually describe. Right. And it was interesting. After I got to the fourth book, things had gotten so – convoluted in their description of what they were trying to get me to look at i didn't it didn't understand it didn't it didn't work for me healing the emotional body you have to be in a position where you're prepared to do it mm -hmm. in most cases people simply were not prepared and are still having difficulty yeah. uh, uh, doing it today oh yeah now th this was interesting too this book took a an interesting tact on it it was sort of like neil donald walsh it was someone's conversation with god and God was saying to this person that you had to move into impersonal love. And what that meant was we all have personal loves where a person or this person or these people or that or this. And they said, no, you have to move away from that and move into per impersonal love, and meaning you don't have any love attachment to any one particularly defined thing. You have a love attachment impersonal. to everything. Impersonal. Were they implying no emotions here? No, 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 no. It just meant okay. it just meant not being focused. In other words, you didn't have all your love based on one person. You didn't have all your love based on your family. Okay. And and they said you have to move away from that to impersonal love. But the key was to move to impersonal love. You had to begin looking at things then that you didn't love. Yes. And figure out why. So you clear that and move a little piece more into impersonal love. So it was basically becoming, a lot of people call it unconditional love, but they didn't like that phrase. They just said impersonal love, so everything is loved. But figure out along the way what you don't love, why. Mm -hmm. And and it was going in that direction from an emotional point of view. And I, I liked the phrase impersonal love when it was explained. So it was very interesting. God said, well, I love everything. Exactly. And you have to love it all, and you have to look at it all. So why are you hiding from and having all these personal loves and not going hating something or disliking that? You don't have an impersonal love for that mm -hmm. because it shouldn't be any one set of things. It should be everything. Right. And begin looking at why you're not going there. Yeah, and again, that was a misunderstanding on the spiritual side mm -hmm. because you might have an emotional thing that said, oh, I love my wife, but I'm also loving this other person. But that, according to spiritual understandings, is, is inappropriate. Right. And so there you would cut off your emotional body's response to potentially loving another soul the same way you love your wife, and you would deem it wrong. Yeah, and this is what this was saying, was that you love everything, but no, there is no problem with 
having a particular person in your life that you spent more time with and grew with and everything else. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean you didn't have love for everything. Mm -hmm. It's just you behave differently with these people, but that's only behavior and what you're doing. And that can change. But it, I love the impersonal love concept. <laughs> that sense. And again, that was addressing first, before you can address the emotional body, it's addressing first the root cause of your emotional situation. Yeah. And yeah. that is because it's addressing the, the, the spiritual aspects, which are out of, which are, as I said before, which is lost light. Yeah. You're reclaiming your lost light so that you're in full light of understanding from God. Yeah. So it's the same same thing, but coming at it from the other direction. Why do you have a lack of love? That's so right. it's going to the emotional and going to that end. So it's the same thing, and I loved it. I have to find it again so I can give you a copy, but it was really quite good. <laughs> and so from what I understand, everybody loves to coin that phrase, they're being so unconditionally loving, oh, yeah. and yet they're, they're not understanding what that means. That unconditional love simply means that all of your spirit body is now recovered, all of its lost light, mm -hmm. it has the understandings from from God itself and all of your emotional body has recovered all of its lost will and yeah. has all of itself present now to engage with each other so that heart can balance it perfectly. Exactly. Dead on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, very good. And you know, this is a biggie. I, it's a very interesting that have we said that about every one of them? <laughs> yes. They're Maybe all the very important. Expressions of love, engaged attack all of them. Now but this one's interesting only in the sense that I think we've tried to explain what engaged detachment means. And I really think that phrase needs to be updated. But And fully, more fully explored as to what it truly means, because I don't think that originally the term engaged detachment was actually including the emotional body in its ability to, to express and how to heal it. It was, I think it was originally intended to sever us from those nasty little emotions that don't seem to want to evolve. They keep coming back to pester me over and over and over again. So we're simply going to detach from them. And in our success, we seemed to have been successful because with severe detachment, they don't come up and, and pester us anymore. But the problem with that one was that with detaching from that and creating more lost will, we were also de-evolving, let's right. say, our consciousness and our ability to feel on the whole. See, that doesn't actually, I, I just want to chime in here for just a moment. Mm -hmm. uh, that It doesn't resonate that way with me at all, Ron. I actually think that for me personally, the danger is to speak about engaged and speak about detachment separately. I actually view it as a brilliant matching of two what would appear to be words that maybe shouldn't be dancing together but for me they work beautifully and that is the whole idea of detachment makes it feel cold callous like just separate yourself and just don't be a part of it and kind of let, let what's going on in the outside world happen or what's going on around you just be completely detached just be numb to it all right the engaged part that is with it is what I think is so brilliant is it causes this kind of dialogue to really yeah. sort of dissect it and not to be too literal about what the words dancing together might mean because it could be, as I said earlier, either side of the coin or any, any embodiment thereof. But it's not about detaching and neglecting free will in my mind, but it's more about engaging but not being so 
triggered. So being able to step, for me, it's about being able to step away from what I'm going to call the trigger moment and watch it, be engaged in it, explore it, and evolve from it, not ignore it. Like, so that's why I think, I, I actually love the, the brilliance of those two words being put together. But, but I hear again, and there's a part of me that picks up the feeling there, is that when you're detaching from the, you're, it's almost like you're detaching from the emotion when you're saying that. No, not at all. I'm not sure how you get that. How do honestly. you evolve the emotion then? Because I understand you're wanting to use the form of detachment in an attempt to become even more of who you are rather than less. Well, but see, again, I'm not detaching. I'm engaging in a detachment from the emotion for the moment, for the second, for the okay. millisecond. That's, it's, that's you're the not. I don't. Because when it's you just, do that, Karen, when you do that, you're still needing to go back and involve that emotion. Simply because you've changed your idea, because you've you have detached from it for that for that for temporarily, might have given you a new perspective on what the situation is, but it still has not done anything to evolve the emotional aspect of that, which eventually you will have to go back and look at. But, well, I, I think that's true if you were simply detaching, but if you're engaging in it then I think you're still in activity. And it's just a personal opinion. And I think everyone is probably oh, yes, has different yes, yes, yes. thoughts on it. Mm -hmm. But I don't like the term detachment of its in and of itself. Yeah, it does yeah. feel like separation to me. So, But when I put other words with it, it's a whole, as we talk about space and time and how it's continually moving, it's always moving. So therefore, so, you can't so stay stagnant. In what sense? It's almost like the emotion comes up. You're going to detach from it for a moment, but you're not going to reject the, the emotion. You're just saying, I, for me to understand you, emotion, I'm just going to put you on hold here temporarily. I'm still, I'm still accepting that you have something to tell me here, but I need to come at it from a more balanced perspective. Right. So I'm going to become the observer mm -hmm. and see exactly what my thoughts are behind it, which is your spirit polarity. Exactly, because if I feed into that emotion and yes. stay attached to it, as Martin was and, talking about oh, yeah. earlier, yeah. then I can't. I'm, I'm going to be swirling. That's right. That's right? right. So oh. it's it's all happening within milliseconds or whatever that terminology yeah. might that be. That is true. Yes. But it, it's yeah. not like yes. I loved your analogy there, Ron, because it's not like oh, here you are on a shelf in a cupboard behind a locked box, <laughs> and I'll look at you six months from now. It's yeah. like here you are, right with me, right now, huh? Let me shift back let me just take two steps back so i can see you more clearly where you came from right is it is engaged attachment a better word then in a sense because you're engaged and you're attached to the moment you're attached to what's going on and you're engaged in looking at it i don't know i guess well, I, I think of the words to be honest with you i think that sometimes i know for me personally sometimes i get caught up in the literal meaning of everything and I yeah. think it's more about the spirit of the of what's being said. And we can talk about that from any spiritual or religious scripture. We read it verbatim and took it yeah. literally. We know where that's gotten us. Yes. And <laughs> I, I think it's about also, taking the spirit of it. Yeah. And I also liked your interpretation of the term engaged because to me, the correct interpretation would mean that the detachment is still allowing. It is not rejecting. And this is where I tried to make the, the, the difference earlier on in the program between the two, the two types of detachment. If you're detaching from the emotion, which is negative and 
clearly is indicating that your thinking is in error. It's almost like you can't heal the problem by separating from it. Yeah. yeah, and saying that the problem doesn't exist because then there would be no engaged detachment where you're trying to find out what the solution is. And that's why I sort of said that I didn't like the phrase initially. Is I know I've read the Deepak Chopra pieces and I like the explanation, but so many people have taken it the wrong way. Literally. Yeah. Because yeah. They, they look yeah. at the word and, oh, we detach. But engaged is the key word in the first word. So when you move back from that emotion that wants to explode and you want to hit someone, it, it means you begin looking at it. And why do I want to do that? Where is that coming from? You get really engaged in your emotions mm -hmm. to figure out where they're coming from, but you detach from them so they don't control you to hit someone. Yeah. <laughs> you change that term from engaged detachment to allowing detachment. I don't know, just a thought. Well, yeah. and you know, I mean, I think what, what's important for me is to be able to explore all of these different ways of looking at things. Yeah. And, you know, our English language and <laughs> the French language, the Australian language, all languages uh, out there have certain amount of interpretation. Yes. If I think about the word engage now, last time I checked, that means you're going to be bonded for life forever. Better make it a big diamond. Right? Better yeah. make oh, it a big diamond. <laughs> right? So the yes. word engagement, and yet for me, engagement means being actively involved in the exploration yes yeah interesting so i think that sometimes and it's just it's just a personal thought process is that as part of our language whatever language it is that we're speaking we tie words to definitions we all go to you know wikipedia and everything oh this is what this means and it gives us a sense of what it means yeah. And then yeah. you go to the next, and Martin, you're you're brilliant at doing this. You always start off each of our programs with here's here's a definition, here's a thought, here's yeah. another way of looking at it, and so those I kind of absorb all into myself and say, huh, now what resonates with me coming from my heart center, mm -hmm. exploring the emotions of love, and how do those definitions or how do those words resonate with me? And you can take a word that we think is really horrific. And look at it in different terms or have different meaning. And engagement is a, is a perfect example. To engage in something is to get involved in something. To be engaged is to be bonded to somebody forever and ever. Yeah. Which is well, right. Which is wrong. And does it matter? And to yeah, me, it doesn't. Well, how often do we use words like being a soldier or a warrior or whatever, which have very negative connotations? But on the other hand, depending on what you define them as, they can have positive exactly. connotations as well. Exactly. And, and I think that's the key is, uh, I hope listeners, we're doing a good job at it. We're trying to explain, the term is engaged attachment, but we've looked at it in, in a few different angles. And I hope you're getting the sense that engaged is the key first word. <laughs> uh, and I'm betting that a lot of our listeners are, are taking this and listening to it. And I hope you are and saying, huh. That kind of resonates with me. No, that, that's not fitting with what I'm thinking. Oh, well, what about this? Well, what about that? And that causes us, in my mind, to expand further. Is to yeah. be that more open to say, huh, never thought of it in those terms. Let me ponder that. Yeah. I could take a portion of that. And I think that well, you can change the words to whatever works for you. Because if you find a process that helps you examine your emotions or examine your thoughts or examine whichever part of you is coming forward that doesn't bring you joy. That's the real and you, deal. And you find a, a, a different set of words that trigger in you going there and looking at things internally and, and where they're coming from. Use whatever words you want. So that's fine. 
It's just that this happened to be the title that's out there in case Exactly. And Mark, <laughs> that, that's a great observation because I think if, I think back to when I do meditation and things like that, we often hear about mantras. Mm-hmm. And there's a variety of mantras, and every mantra has a meaning, or it doesn't. A mantra could be blue. Yeah. A mantra could be wall, or it could be Bhagavad Gita. It could be anything. It's what resonates with you around this whole concept of what we're talking about with all of those emotional expressions of yep. love. Intent to heal. Intent to heal. Whatever to whatever from. brings you into mind, that intent to heal and move forward is what works and move with it. <laughs> with oneness. With I mean, again, yep. it's the whole – and Ron, I'm with you 150%. That word detachment, mm-hmm. I, I, when I hear detachment, I hear unlocking. Mm-hmm. I hear, oh, if I was attached before, if I detached, I've undone the handcuffs. And in, in what sense, that form of detachment and detaching from the will produces a willless person. Mm-hmm. There is no, eventually, there is no will. They can't make any decisions for themselves. They will always borrow other people's ideas. They can't even think for themselves. Like what we're doing here, that would be something that they could not even engage in. Because they're they're detaching from the very thing that gives them their uniqueness and their right. their ability to feel that gives them their sense of knowing something of a person. Right. And I completely agree, Ron. And I, I take it back to we'll go back to the kids in the sandbox, which I always love to talk about. So kids in the sandbox have no concept of the word detachment. Way too big for them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. As we try to explore the the actual terminology, it's because we have history around the meaning of some of those words. Mm -hmm. But if you think about kids in a sandbox playing and you put 10 kids in a sandbox and they all speak different languages, look at how they interrelate because they don't have all of that baggage. Exactly. So I could say, hey, Joey, let's detach. You say, okay, you throw the ball. He has Mm. no clue. No fear. No no fear. fear. So I, I caution for myself that... I try not to get too wrapped up in the actual intellectual meaning of any one word, but more the underlying feeling and sense and concept of what we're all as human beings trying to achieve. And I find that if I take myself to that kids in a sandbox, I go, huh, does it really matter? I could call that blue or I could call that white or I could call that poop. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's all the same if you're laughing and joking. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right? And they're all, and the key there, of course, is they're all laughing and joking and living in joy. And yes. all of it means nothing to them. The stuff that we would go, oh, you're not putting your kids near them, are you? Yeah, really? Why would you teach that to your children? Exactly. <laughs> and that's the beauty of it as we explore this. And I think it's important that we do explore some of the English language in, in this concept because I think a lot of us, I can only speak for myself, get hung up on, oh, that's what that word means in the dictionary, because the dictionary must be right. <laughs> uh-huh. Then why am I not feeling so connected to it? Yeah. So then I just explore what it is that I really want to achieve. And what I really want to achieve is getting within myself so that I can become a better person, but not at the expense of others. Right. Or of your emotions. Or of my emotions. Or of yourself, yeah. All of me, yeah. So bottom line then for me would be that detachment is a spiritual concept 
for the spirit polarity side of myself, in order to change and evolve, it uses the, the engaged detachment or allowing detachment in order to facilitate being able to change its ideas. Uh-huh. Yes. And it's always the first step. We are emotional and spiritual at the same time. Mm-hmm. So now that we have changed our spiritual understanding, now the work of assisting the emotional body can now go forward with positive and permanent results because now we're beginning to understand how the emotional body gets to evolve. Okay. Exactly. And as you've said before, it all has to balance in the heart. Exactly. Anything out of balance is what we need to look at. And you know it when it happens, right? Hopefully. I, I sometimes, you know, I wonder if some people know. I think they just believe sometimes that it's easier, I know. And I think I used the example before. I knew someone who said their grandfather had a temper. And that's why they had a temper. And they got it from their grandfather, so it's fine. They're just going to have their temper. And I thought, really? You don't want to change that? And and I asked them, do you think it's a good thing? Not always. Then why don't you change it? Oh, I can't. It's from my grandfather. The will. We're talking about the will here, which is the emotional body. And think about the the terminology that we pick up, gentlemen. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. The older you get, the less likely you are to evolve. Yeah. But the funny thing is, the older you get, I'm finding sometimes it's, it's easier to evolve. Me too, Martin. Because yeah. you have experience and some wisdom if you use it. <laughs> That's where evolution will go. But for those who do not evolve their emotional bodies, how often do you see old people become completely senile and go the opposite direction? Yeah. Because perhaps there is an emotional side to themselves that they have not evolved alongside with the spiritual side. If there, there was only a real, real rule book that told us how to go down this journey, we'd be laughing, but it's not. It's it's experience. It's it's experience. It's it's expansion. Deepak Chopra wrote a book called Merlin, in which Merlin says that all of creation happened backwards. And it's it's true. I've often said if I had the, the the intelligence that I have now when I was 18, oh my God. Yeah. But yet that's not possible. And I had to go through all that I went through in order to get the intelligence that could then be reflected upon and say, yes, if I had that, I wouldn't have had to go through all of this, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, it's almost like creation happens backwards. Yeah. It's I all gross. The more I know, the less I know. Yeah, that's true. Too. It's yeah. probably the best way for me to put it. It's like, oh, <laughs> at one moment I feel like, yeah, you're expanding in the right way. And the next moment it's like, who, where'd well, that come from? You're yeah. expanding. It's like if you've got a circle, you can only expand to the edges of that circle. But if you take the circle away and you're expanding, there is no limit to how much you can expand. Yeah. You've not put that circle around yourself. Exactly. There's so many people box themselves in. Now, we are coming up to our last minute. I just wanted to say, as always, we'd like to thank our Prime Network, Law of Attraction Radio Network, for allowing us to be here for our next program. The topic will be eternal. And I thank everyone for listening in and have a fabulous week. Yes, have a wonderful week, everyone. Thanks all of you for tuning in and listening to us. Looking forward to your comments. Much love. Enjoy the week. Thank you for listening to The Sovereign Self. We will be back with another show that will celebrate the beauty and perseverance of you and your sovereign self. If you would like more information or to send questions to Martin, Karen or Ron, please go to their Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash Sovereign Self. See you next week.